0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Strachevsky podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession in life to teach you how to be a more productive you. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to attend my next live training. It'll be happening on Friday, August 14th at noon Eastern. It's going to be about technology and your productivity. Now to register, you can either click the link in the show notes or the banner of my website mrproductivity.com m-i-s-t-e-r mrproductivity.com on the show today john bentley we're going to talk a lot about strengths and weaknesses and what should you do with your strengths and what should you do with your weaknesses a very fascinating conversation with john bentley so here we go
1: john welcome to the show Hey, Mark, thanks so much. I'm proud to be here and appreciate you allowing me to come on and let's just have a great time talking with each other.
0: Now, I got to say this right off the bat. I love your accent. I love the Southern accent, and you're from Huntsville, Alabama, right?
1: That is correct, sir. I grew up in Georgia, uh, 21 years in the Air Force, so I don't have as much as my family, but I still got a twang.
0: <laughs> I'm originally from uh, Rochester, New York, and apparently I don't have the ability to suck up the accent. My wife does, but I don't, so apparently I don't have an accent anywhere in the country, but I always, I always like the southern accent. I, I try to pretend I have one, but I really don't.
1: Well, it's interesting because I've got some friends in the Northeast up in the Massachusetts area and I took them home to visit my family and they said, man, your family has such a twang. I thought they were speaking banjo.
0: (laughs) That's hysterical. So your name is John Bentley. Do you own a Bentley or is that just your last name? That is just my last name, sir. I'm not part of the family that has all the (laughs) riches, at least financial wise. Okay. If it was, you'd probably be on a private island. We're doing this interview. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) Well, before we get started, why don't you take about 20 seconds or so, tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yes, sir. John Bentley, I actually grew up, I'll say, in the Air Force coming from a a broken family. They loved me, but we were dysfunctional. So through that 20-year Air Force career, I actually had some people that took interest in who I was because of all my talents, and they really helped me learn how to just access, accept, and act on my strengths. And what I like to say is they helped me overcome my insecurities, So after that 20-year career, I decided to open a business where I just help people learn how to, again, access, accept, act on their strengths, and really learn to love themselves so they can learn to accept and love others.
0: Well, let me first say thank you for your service to this country. Uh, I think a lot of people don't take the time to thank people who served our country and my mom and dad raised me that you always thank not only the the military but also the first responders the police officers because they are truly on the front lines and i remember when i was a volunteer firefighter for a couple years people come up to me say thank you for your service i felt i'm not in the military no but you're running in the buildings when we're running out so thank you for your service
1: thank you mark i appreciate that very
0: much so let's talk about strengths because I'd like to know your, your thoughts on this. There are two schools of thought. There are people who say, focus on your weaknesses because your strengths are natural. And then there's the the camp I'm in is you should focus on your strengths and outsource the weaknesses. So where do you fall on, on that? Yes, sir. I, I've got
1: two sides of the coin. I certainly delegate things that I'm not good at that take a lot of energy from me and drain me. I also know there's times, though, Mark, that it's important for me to use behaviors that aren't natural to me. And I'll give you a great example of that. Is running my own business, I do my finances once a month. I use QuickBooks. But I know that that's very analytical, very detailed-oriented work. I don't outsource that out, though, because I want control of it, part of one of my strengths. And so I have to get by myself and really just focus on doing that behavior for a short period of time. Other than that, though, I love the fact that you outsource or delegate especially so you can work on your strengths like mine are being in front of a group presenting, whether it's virtual or live, and allowing other people to do that back-end work that takes too much of my time and doesn't let me do what I love.
0: One of the questions I get at, I've gotten asked a lot, and you probably got asked a lot more than I have, is how do I know what my strengths are? When, when people ask me that, I said, well, I just know. I just knew what my strengths were. Now it took me several years to figure what that was, because when I was in high school and college, uh, John, I did not want to do any form of oral presentations at all. But something happened. That switch got flipped, and then I became a speaker, a podcaster, an online trainer. I don't know what happened, but I, I think that you know. And it's kind of hard. It's kind of you know, kind of hard to explain it to people that you know when you know what your strengths are. What do you think about that? I think we innately know what I had trouble
1: doing, Mark, and other people had trouble doing was really telling me what they were. In other words, they didn't have a conversational language to describe my behavior, and I didn't either. And because of that, I really didn't know that when I overused my strengths, that they became a limitations. Uh, I, I love to talk. I love to bring people together. I love to have a motivating environment. However, at times in a meeting, when we're discussing things, we really need to slow down and give everybody the opportunity to talk. So not realizing when I was overusing a string, it became a limitation was hurtful. So what I recommend to our to your listeners is, you know, there's quite a few different assessments, there's Strength finders, there's the Myers Briggs, the one that I prefer is the disk behavioral profile by Wiley Publishing. And so all those are used to create a framework for discovery and dialogue. And what I help people do, whether it's individual or groups, is I teach them a conversational language so that they can welcome the differences, which sometimes is is people's strengths. But I tend to find fault because they don't do it the way I do it.
0: Now, you mentioned overusing a strength. I've never heard that phrase before. I didn't think you could overuse a strength. So can you please elaborate what you mean by that?
1: Yeah. So I'm in a meeting and we're discussing a very detailed plan. We're doing it step by step by step. Well, one of my strengths is to generate ideas. Well, that phase of the project is past. Ah. So I'm I'm coming up with new ways, and it's really negatively impacting those who've already outlined the plan and where we're going to go that we're executing. So part of that is for me to learn, even though I've got those ideas, I've got to manage me and redirect that behavior so it doesn't cause what I, being at people, I'm bumping my fists together now, Mm -hmm. versus being with people, I'm clasping my hands. And so that's recognizing when a strength is, becomes hurtful versus helpful.
0: That's very interesting because I was uh, thinking about my strengths just the other day, and I think it's not a good strength, but I'm a, I am tend to be a control freak. I think most solopreneurs like me or entrepreneurs are. And I heard someone tell me that you should be working in your zone of genius and you should outsource the rest. And so I love my podcast. I love the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I don't like what happens afterwards. You know, after I do the intro, the outro, and all this other stuff, and I've got to do all the stuff for social media and the post-processing and stuff like that. Well, my wife is furloughed from her job. She sold sold cruises for a living. Well, no one's cruising because of COVID-19. And I'm like, well, would you like to help me out in this? And she loves doing that kind of stuff. And so but the most difficult thing for me was training her because... Believe it or not, John, she could not read my mind. And so I sat down and said, okay, what are the the procedures I do after a podcast? And it came up like 75 or 57 steps or some crazy number like that. But it was all in my head. And I'm trying to write this down. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize it's so involved after a podcast episode is done. But then I had to show her because obviously I missed some things and though she's really good. She picked it up and took the ball and run. But I I think that people need to say, okay, what am I good at? And is it really worth me working on my weaknesses or is it better? Maybe there's someone in my house, maybe a spouse or another adult or an older child who, who might be able to help you. I mean, let's face it, technology kids can help you with that aspect as well. And I think we just got to let go. I think that's the biggest pro, the biggest issue people have is letting go of these weaknesses, especially if you're a control freak.
1: Yeah. I like what you said there because. In behavioral styles, and I'm gonna assume that that you're really task oriented and you're bold and you're fast paced. Yep. I also think though you like involving others to a degree. So, so
0: possibly a little bit. More, it's not easy to let go, but I'd I like to.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so so you're, as you said, solopreneur. And now all of a sudden, I think what you're recognizing is by freeing up yourself and allowing your wife, who you trust, yep. right, that, that's a big issue, who you trust to do those tasks, it now frees you up to focus on some of those other things that maybe you weren't getting to with your podcast or yes. other sides of your business. Yes. And so th- the thing that I like to ask people when I'm coaching them is, okay, I, I get that this is a strength for you. My question is, is it coming to a point because it's so strong in you that it's costing you and not letting you grow and help help yourself and others? Mm. And then that usually lets people sit back a little bit and go, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. So I would imagine with you writing down the 75 steps, realizing you do all this, that took a lot of energy from you. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then training your wife took some energy. But I'll ask you now, how freeing has that been for you, Mark?
0: Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you what I should be doing is I should be creating content, the podcast, my online training, my social media posts, my blog posts. That's what I should be doing because she's not going to do it. She has no interest in doing a podcast or doing online training. And so by her doing these things that I don't want to do, now I'm freed up to really actually up my game when it comes to content creation because I'm not doing the stuff that she's really good at.
1: Right. So, so it really lets you work on the things that are probably important to growing your business versus, oh, I got, no, I've got to control this. Nobody else can do it. I don't like it, but, but I'm going to do it. And that takes away time from you actually growing then.
0: The analogy like, yeah. The analogy I like to use is, let's say you're in the C-suite or something like that, and you've got to create a spreadsheet. But just the word spreadsheet causes you to break out in a cold sweat. But you're a control freak, and you want to do it yourself, even though it's going to be horrible. But there may be Denise down the hall who lives, breathes, and dreams spreadsheets that would love to do a nice spreadsheet for you. And we just have to put our pride aside and say, look it. Do I want it done myself or do I want it done really well? And Denise probably could do a great job. And all we have to do is go down there. We probably wouldn't have to get the whole question out of our mouth before she says, I'll do it because she loves that kind of stuff. And I think whether you're a solopreneur and you're trying to get someone in the family or you work for a corporation, if there's something, as long as it's not confidential, that you can give to someone else who is, that's their strength, then by all means, let them do it. And they probably do a well, much better job than you do.
1: Well, now you're talking about employee engagement and motivation. It's, and it's difficult to have 100% of everything that aligns with my strengths in a job because of the different roles. However, if I can get 60%, 70% of that aligned to the individuals, then we're just going to take take off as an organization. You, you mentioned spreadsheets, and I worked with Carol Brigant. She was a single mom, 68, lifelong learner. And she wanted to learn how to do formulas and spreadsheets. Well, here I am, the supervisor and a little bit of a control freak because I wanted the analysis of the training to be correct. And basically I sat down with her for 45 minutes and I I, I loved her. If you can imagine her 68 and her glasses coming down on her nose and she says, now, John, here's the way we're going to do it. You're going to call out the task. I'm going to write them down. Now, once once I write them down, I'm going to call them out to you and you're going to do them. And when that's right, You're going to call them out to me and I'm going to do them. And then I'm going to call them out to myself and do it myself. And when that's right, I won't need you anymore. (laughs) Bottom line, I spent 45 minutes with her, a lot of energy, but I never had to do that task again, which as you just mentioned, let me focus on strategy. She was happy. I was happy.
0: That's amazing. Now let's, let's switch over to leadership for a little bit. Let's say someone's a leader. They're listening to this podcast. They're a leader. And they've got a team, a great team. Let's assume their team is like the best team ever. Why do you think, other than being a control freak, why do you think some leaders are so hesitant to let these tasks that they're not really good at go to someone else who can do it better than them?
1: Well, I think it comes from a fear of when, if something is wrong, uh, they're going to be held accountable. Mm. And also, I I think part of it is, is they don't really understand the strengths of their team and what they can do. Ah. So their idea of of leadership is command and control versus being able to just release and empower. And that all stems from, again, some insecurities we have in ourselves. So I'll I'll give you an idea. I grew up and I, I like to say that our parents teach us through their behavior, whether they say anything or not. And my takeaway going into adulthood and working was I'm not good enough. Doesn't matter what I do. It's just not good enough. So I always try to find ways to do something bigger, stronger to make me look good. So I have value in myself and other people's eyes. And so when I took over a team, I started changing everything automatically because I wanted look at me. Look how good I am. Mm. Well, I can tell you, motivation just spiraled out of control. Mm. People started trying to find other organizations within our Air Force channels to work on. And it all starts with learning to lead yourself because you can't lead yourself. You'll never earn the right to lead others. Mm. And you're going to struggle. You're going to be frustrated and you're going to limit your opportunities for success. So self-awareness, self-management comes into play.
0: I think a lot of people are scared by the word self-awareness, but it's not a new age woo-woo thing. It's like being aware Of yourself, it's right in the title, self-awareness. And I think we need to be aware of where our strengths and where our weaknesses are. We need to be aware of our attitude. I, I did a video of this not too long ago that your attitude affects your productivity more than you think it does. Because if you are miserable, you're mad at the government because you're one of these people who watch the news all day long. First of all, stop watching the news, maybe 30 minutes to know what's going on, but stop watching news all day long. Well, if you're frustrated, overwhelmed, stressed, you can't be productive. You can't lead people because you're not, in. to use the, the word I first heard from Tony Robbins, you're not in the right state. You're angry. You can't be productive or lead that way. And, and I think people, they're scared of the word self-aware. They, they don't want to acknowledge how powerful it is, but self-awareness is a key, I think, to living an abundant life.
1: I don't disagree with that at all. And what just came to mind with you talking about that, when I get in my vehicle to go somewhere, do I have on a blindfold? Right. Well, well, no. Well, why don't I have on a blindfold? Because I need to be aware of the environment around me. And I I talk sometimes about being a thermostat versus a thermometer,
0: Hmm.
1: right? A thermometer can only react to the temperature, go up and down. It can't respond. But what does a thermostat do? It regulates the environment. And I think the leader's number one job is to regulate their thinking and behavior, do that positively so they can positively influence the thinking and the behaviors of those they've been hired to serve. And and so being able to be aware and I call it CYA challenge your awareness, ch- ch- challenge your assumptions mm-hmm. allows me to do that.
0: You know, what's interesting is I was in corporate America until July of 2005 and a lot of people are in leadership, not all of them, but at least the companies I work for, where they should never have been put in the leadership role. There are people who maybe were really well, at, did really well at the level below leadership, and then they get promoted, and now they're out of their element. And I've worked for some. There's no other word to say it. Jerks as bosses. They yes. they 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 took the title so strongly that they would let you know by their words and actions that I am your boss. And I never felt like I wanted to give them my best because you put it in my face all the time that you're better than me. You're a manager, a supervisor, a leader, whatever the case may be. And I looked at other people in my department, they felt the same way. And then I've also worked with good leaders, Who never brought it up. They just had the respect. They would listen to you. And and so not all leaders are equal by any stretch of imagination.
1: No, and 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 again, it it boils back to to how the leader views themselves and views the world and view others. If I've got a view that I'm okay and you're not okay to to make myself have value, then I'm gonna treat you as a thing. Mm -hmm. And and one of the best leaders I worked for in the Air Force, we were in a combat communications unit, which meant we deployed anywhere in the world. Imagine pulling on to a 100 acres, there's nothing there, and you're setting up communication equipment to talk anywhere in the world within 24 hours to launch and recover aircraft. This leader set up our, our dining tents, set up our sleep tents, and set up our shower and restroom areas while we did the work to bring the communication forth. So he made sure that we had the things we needed to be able to survive and operate. And then he came to us just so, okay, where are we? What do you need my help with? It was never pointing fingers and directing. It was all about jumping in there and being with us in the fight.
0: I've always heard the saying that you get no more bees with honey than you, than you do with vinegar. And I think that applies to any role of leadership. And even if you are a solopreneur and you, you're working with your spouse or you have a big team, you need to lead people the way you like to be lead led we've all had those leaders that we're like oh my gosh i can't wait to get out of this company and we all had those leaders that like man i could work with this guy for free because i love this leader and so what i'd say if you're a leader and we're all leaders just like we're all salesmen or salespeople how do you like to be led and then i will lead your team that way and how would you not like to be led? Then don't lead your team that way. I mean, you don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. As Tony Robbins says, success leaves clues. So find a lead that you really like and emulate them.
1: Yeah, and, and, and I love that. And, and I think when, once you learn how to enter someone's space in a way that makes sense to them, you, you earn the right to speak into their listening, which now means you're earning trust. And so it requires me at times to adapt my communication when I'm working with an individual or use different communication points when I'm working with a team. And the way I like to describe this is just think about your personality, as you shared with me a few minutes ago, Mark, if you were a vehicle and If if you described your behavior as a vehicle, what would it be? And I'll share with you mine. I'd be a 1968 Candy Apple Red Camaro with a 396 Supersport. It's loud, it's proud, it looks good, and you know I'm coming. Now, imagine (laughs) if I led that way all the time. Yeah. What would happen? So so let's just say you're in Houston now. If I went down and got on I-10 to drive to Houston, would I see orange diamond shaped signs with road work ahead, slow down, double fines? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and a yellow flashing arrow let me know I'm moving from four lanes to two to one. Yep. Well, again, I want to be aware of my surroundings, my environment, and who I'm working with so I can adjust my behavior in the given moment to be able to connect, communicate, and collaborate so we can get the best results doing with each other. That doesn't mean I'm no longer a 1968 candy apple, red Camaro. It's just I'm adjusting my behavior to be successful with those people in that situation. So thank you for reminding me of that.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting is if I had to pick the car I would like to be is cause I'm a nerd, I'm a geek. I would want to be a Tesla because they're really quiet and they're really powerful. Um, but I tend see, I tend to be a bull in the China shop. Um, and it's probably a good thing. I'm probably, I've always said, you know, if I was a, a CEO of Apple or CEO of Disney, I'd run it differently. Uh, probably. I I don't think I would, do really well at those companies because i would not allow like bugs to last too long i think i got a bug with my apple watch right now it's been going on for six weeks and it's like engineering knows about it and it's like okay this has been six weeks what's going on here and i if i was ceo i'd be calling the engineer like i want this fixed now you know and like right. oh i hate this guy so i i wouldn't want to do that but i want to circle back to something you, you said at the beginning You talk about conversational language um yeah. go into depth with that what, what do you mean by conversational language
1: all right. So I, 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 if you're, you're okay with it, I'm going to explain the, the DISC model very quickly. Sure, and just, go ahead. Just get people to kind of draw a circle and then, and then from draw a line from top to bottom vertically and horizontally. Mm-hmm. And if we look at that upper left quadrant, that's the D, the dominance behavioral style. And I don't mean physical dominance. It's just like I'm hearing you. You're fast-paced, you're bold, you're direct. Oh, I'm, I'm a straight up focus. D. There's no
0: doubt about that. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Which means w- w- when you see opposition, you want to solve it. Yep. Now, now, let's move to the upper right quadrant, still fast paced and bold, but more people focused, want to involve others. That's the ID influence. And that's primarily my style. Now we'll go lower right corner, still accepting with and people focus, but to more indirect. They mm-hmm. want harmony. They want to know how they can support people. And then lower left is the C, conscientious style, very thoughtful, very indirect, likes to think about what they say before they do it, but task focused because they want to be right and precise. So when I start understanding, like with you, I need to be quick. I need to let you make the decisions and give you options and give you bullet points. Don't don't go into detail. (laughs) And so by understanding those languages, I can drive my behavioral vehicle the way I communicate my attitude with you Mm. in order to connect with you versus being at you and bumping into you and causing problems.
0: You're spot on there, John, because I can tell you that I do not like long emails. I do not like long posts. I, I don't have time for that stuff. Get to the point. It, I, I use this analogy when I used to speak. Remember the time we used to go out and speak many years ago? We used to go out and actually speak on the stage. Um, it's a joke. It's only been four months. But I used to tell people, we talked about emails. And I say, look, it, let's say the power company is going to do some work on the lines in your building. And they have to shut the power off at four o'clock on Friday. And so everyone's got to be in that building by four o'clock. Well, the HR people, it should be a really quick email. Like it should be in the subject line office closes at four o'clock on Friday. But a lot of companies that I've seen will do from the creation of the company to the present day. Why? You didn't need to have all that. You just need to say the office is closing at four o'clock. And I heard so many groans in the audience when I bring it up because they're like, oh my gosh, the first sentence was what I need to know. And it's all these paragraphs. First of all, no one's reading all those paragraphs, not reading all those words because you have a sentence that tells them what they need to know. That's it. And I think people are, I don't know if they have a fear or why they're doing it, but they're over communicating. I always tell the, tell people, get to the point, stick to the point. That's it. Say what you got to say in as few words as possible and move on. But some people think they're writing an Ernest Hemingway novel when you're just going to tell the people that they're closing the office at four o'clock on Friday.
1: Yeah. And a lot of that goes back to their behavioral style. And I'll also say probably coming from a a fear point and protection, they want to get everything in the email that they can. So if something does go, they will see, I explained it all here. And and what the army uses that that I love is called bottom line up front bluff. Okay. that Bluff is what you just said. That first sentence is we're closing today at four o'clock because of power issues. Boom, we're done. And and what I've learned to do if I'm communicating with a group of people is I'll just give a quick scenario, two or three sentences that satisfies the D&I behavioral styles. And then I'll create an attachment that may have more information for those folks that want the detail and want to know how they're going to help. So I try to balance mm. that. And even an agenda with a meeting when I know I've got some steadiness and conscientious behavioral styles in there, I'll send that out a couple of weeks ahead and say, please send me your questions that you may have. So I could be prepared to answer them. So I'm trying to learn how to satisfy everyone by learning again, just to adapt or use key things. I mean, that, and, and as you said, I, I didn't respond back to your emails about this is coming up because I knew your style and you're just informing me and keeping me going. Yep. go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, I think it took me a while to understand what TLR means in emails. I didn't. What does I didn't, that mean? It means too long to read. So what that does exactly what the bluff method is. TLR means the summary, and then they they do the Ernest Hemingway novel. Which is exactly what you're talking about. But I had to go Google. What does TLR mean? It means too long to read. Because some people are like me. Just tell me what I got to know. Okay, like like when my wife and I are on a road trip and we talked before we started recording, I don't do road trips except to the airport. I don't do long road trips anymore, but I'd say, okay, how long till we get off and have lunch? I don't want to know, you know, the next exit. I want to know the next, time, we're going to exit. That's, that's the information I need. And she would go, Oh, this site's got this. And, Oh, I haven't heard about this store. I said, honey, I love you, but I don't need to know the store you used to love when you were a little girl. I want to know the exit we had to get off of gasoline. And so I'm the type of person, the TLR, the, the bluff guy. Tell me exactly what I need to know in as few words as possible. But yes, there are people. Cause just like there's other people on the disc scale, we need and love every one of those people. Okay. But for me, like, like you got this and I appreciate that that you get right to the point. Okay, I, I don't want any fluff. I don't have time for fluff. And even when I was a child, I didn't like fluff. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of like one of those people. I love watching shows. My wife and I are watching blue bloods right now because you know, there's no new TV on and some episodes I'm like, this could have been over in 10 minutes. Why did they stretch the 45 minutes? I know the show's 45 minutes long, but I, I don't like books that are too long. Chapters that are too long. I'm, and some people go, man, this guy's crazy. If you've been listening to Mark's Jesky podcast at all, you know, this is who I am gets the point, stick to the point, let's move on. But there are those who want to know the whole history of the company. Going back to my email analogy, they want to know, oh yeah, the company started in 1945. They want to know that. I don't. So the TLR or the bluff method is really cool.
1: Yeah. And, and and I appreciate the fact of that you own who you are. and And that was one of the most difficult things for me because I grew up being a people pleaser mm-hmm. and people pleasing is okay when it's helpful but I would carry it to extremes because I wanted to know that you thought I was okay. Mm. And so, you know, you, you're really reminding me of the importance of being you. And I think one of the most difficult things is for a leader is now I'm influencing people who are different from Mark and that's going to require something a little different. So how do I balance that mm. and learn to be okay with me? And what, what I've accepted and what I, one of my premises Mark is I allow myself six mistakes a day and if I don't use them all, I roll them over. <laughs> now I gotta call my wife though to see if I got rollovers. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: That's hysterical. Well, you know, it's funny because I have this bad habit that I will interrupt myself if another thought supersedes that thought, or I'll use the wrong word or trip over my own tongue. And I was uh, several hundred podcasts ago, I was going to say, I was going to try to fix that. And my audience says, don't you dare. This is who you are. And so the last couple times I spoke, I would say, listen, before I get started, you need to know I interrupt myself. I talk fast. I'll use the wrong word. I'll trip over my tongue. But what's amazing is people laugh. And when I'm all done, they said, Oh my gosh, who replenishes your batteries? Cause this is how annoyingly optimistically happy I am every single day. I love what I do. And the problem is my brain is much faster than my mouth can talk, but it's okay. Because to your point, this is who I am. I don't want to be a John Bentley. I don't want to be a Tony Robbins. I don't want to be a Mark Cuban. I want to be Mark Struchowski, Mr. Productivity. That's who I am. And you have to be John B- Bentley and only John Bentley.
1: Yeah, and, and and that's beautiful. And that's where I think people really struggle, accepting and loving themselves, being okay with themselves. And because you can do that, I also believe, Mark, that you know how to accept and love and accept others. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the, the most difficult part in some teams is, let's say, if you were on our team, Mark, and you were new to the team, I would want people to know right up front, what value do you bring to our team? And then what I can do is not overlook, but accept and value who you are. And when, the, when you come across as we think blunt or you're interrupting, we're recognizing that Mark's not trying to be mean. Hmm. He's not trying to one-up anybody. This is who Mark is. So let's love Mark in a way
0: that Mark wants to be loved. I love that. I love that. Well, John, we covered a lot of ground. You gave us a lot of solid information. Um, I really appreciate you being in the show. Where can we find more about you online?
1: Yes, sir. You can find me at my website, www.power2transform.com. And I also just started a new website since we're in this COVID and I'm training virtually now. It's trainleadersvirtually.com, trainleadersvirtually.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Twitter, and those are at John Bentley Speaks on LinkedIn and Twitter.
0: Excellent. Well, you have, like I said, gave us a lot of information. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You just have a natural, it must be that Southern twang, the banjo thing going. You're really easy to talk to So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. You bet, Mark. Thank you. And just before we go, don't forget to register for my next live training, Friday, August 14th at noon Eastern, Technology and Your Productivity. You can register by clicking the link in the show notes or by clicking the banner at my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Strucheski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.